0: Being inspired because of like by your job every day is freaking awesome. Like, I'm inspired constantly. And it's not because it's obviously not because of anything I'm doing, it's because of like the people I get to talk to all the time uh, and the places that I go and, and like the work, like the, the work that you see like in these in the forest. It's just like, man, this is this is brilliant.
1: Trail Effect episode 19. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you'll hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. This journey of creating Trail Effect never ceases to amaze me. Every person I've ever been able to interview always brings their own expression of what trails mean to them, and we inevitably go down the paths during the interviews that I may not ever expect. Thank you all for continuing to tune into this experiment of a show, which appears to be really taking off. For episode 19, we bring you Bryce Sherbach. Bryce is a storyteller who specializes in bringing the right kind of attention to trail communities, both large and small. Bryce first captured my attention a few years ago with a series on pink bike called Eastbound and Down. From there, Bryce created local flavors along with Underexposed and other various titles that all have the same common theme of promoting trails and communities. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and Salsa Cycles. Smith also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wellenek of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Here we are with Trail Effect. I got Bryce Sherbach today. Uh, Bryce is a content creator for various, a bunch of different companies. And we'll get into that end of the story. How's it going today, Bryce?
0: Uh, it's going very well, Josh. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, let's dig into your backstory a little bit and kind of learn about you so we can learn about how you got into doing what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, like I, I grew up in Western Maryland, so um, I, you know, like I, I grew up in a really, really pretty area. Edwardsburg, Maryland, which is in Frederick County, and um, it's kind of right where the Appalachians cut through and the Panhandle, and and so, you know, like I, I, when I was a kid growing up, I always wanted to be a professional snowboarder. Uh, we had this tiny little ski area that was just on the other side. I, I was on the, I grew up on Mason Dixon Line essentially, and so Ski Liberty was this little ski area just on the other side, and I, you know, basically grew up there, and uh, you know, just always, I think. Kind of looking out in my backyard. I mean, I just was outside all the time. I don't come from an outdoorsy family or anything like that. But uh, I, I was definitely the only one that that was really into outdoor pursuits. And so, yeah, I uh, spent a lot of time dreaming about being a professional snowboarder. Um, didn't necessarily have the talent to check that box. But what I think that those ambitions, you know, like part of those ambitions stem from like subscribing to all the snowboard magazines and of course buying every at the time VHS you know in the late 90s that that came out and being glued to you know the X Games competitions and just anything you know I could I could sort of like sink my teeth into content wise and I just always felt like there that as as athletes like I I was always really really drawn to the stories that you know, like really thoughtful or mindful sort of storytelling, where the athlete nece- wasn't necessarily making the story about their pursuits, but their what they can do on on skis and snowboards uh, enabled them to tell better stories. Um, so the pursuit of 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 progression as an athlete was really just a, a means of uh, enhancing your storytelling, um, and so kind of taking that as sort of like a baseline for me and, and 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 just really like an anchor for my own sensibilities as a person, you know, going to college, focusing on photojournalism and video production um, helped me to really like sharpen storytelling skills, I think. And I was also a four season athlete. Like I, I was always, you know, in addition to the outdoor pursuits, I certainly was not um, I never, I, it was never like one or the other necessarily. Like, uh, I think in, in our industry, a lot of people, there's, it's like, a, there's a, a strong sense of rejection of ball and stick sports where I never felt that way. Although I did, like I, I quit some uh, sophomore year. I definitely stopped playing soccer and basketball when I had uh, to sign the, they made you sign like a, a form that said you never, you would not. Dude, they, I mean, even like ice skating, you weren't allowed to sled or ice skate and whatever. But but snowboarding was such a big part of my life. And I was like, Ugh, okay, I guess it, I guess I did actually choose between those two. But but like spring and summer, I still did other things, ran and played lacrosse and all that stuff. Um, so anyway, like getting out of college, uh, I had this, I don't know how to, I just like I had this educational background. And I think I had a skill set from like a technical standpoint as a writer and a photographer. Um, and, uh, and, and I was, you know, I always rode bikes as well, BMX. And and I didn't even know what mountain bike, it was called mountain bike. I just rode mountain bikes, like on these little dirt, dirt tracks, uh, like ATV trails and fire roads and stuff. Uh, but I was, I didn't have any other kids that, you know, we weren't like 15 year old mountain bikers. We just rode our bikes on the mountains. Right. And after I got out of school, um, I I picked up cycling pretty heavily again, both mountain and road and, uh, and started racing mountain, um, you know, my early twenties and and did pretty well, um, and got to a point where I think, uh, you know, like I I was able to start racing professionally and kind of meddling around like the mid pack. But while I was doing that, I also sort of. Really started to fall in love with mountain bike content. Um, I subscribed to you know bike, dirt rag, um, MTB uh, action, and and you know it was always like like everybody else um, in the early mid 2000s glued to to pink bike. You know selling stuff, but just just also just kind of taking everything in. It was sort of pre like YouTuber um, days, and and I remember thinking like around 2009. Uh, there was so much cool stuff out there, content-wise, and obviously the East Coast had a pretty significant racing heritage um, and history, and 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 a really strong sense of community. I mean, like amazing athletes and, and riders, and just really amazing communities and trails, and just so much to love about it. But like all of the content that I was seeing was very you know, BC centric not I, and BC's the truth. I mean, it is like the, the truth for mountain bikers. So there's nothing, I understood why there was so much of it, but I never understood why there was such a lack of mountain bike representation coming from the East coast. Um, so I started my own website just like purely not like just maybe as like a, you know, as I look at it in hindsight, like it might be, maybe have just been, more of like a, an exercise and just sort of looking for a way to kind of work on my creative muscles a little bit and, and just find an outlet for it. But I wasn't necessarily looking for it to be something that would ever necessarily compete with like a pink biker or anything like that. I just, I just wanted to tell stories. Um, and, uh, and in 2012, um, I kind of got, you know, like that, that theme continued to build and, I I started to plan for this really sort of, I mean, ambitious in my mind sort of series of East coast videos that, that that were designed really to just sort of showcase communities and, and riders and just sort of what we, some of what we had here because it just was for so long flying so far under the radar. And I just felt like there was people and trails here that deserved far more attention. They were getting, and so, yeah, I did this thing. Uh, ended up, com- you know, really working on it in 2013 called "From Where We Stand." It was a four-part video series, just purely East Coast-based, and it wasn't even like the necessarily like the best. I just was so naive as a as a storyteller, and, and, or at least in this medium, um, you know. So I just kind of found four places that uh, were familiar to me and and people that I knew and. Had some help, some some friends that had some leverage in the industry, like Jeff Lenoski and um, George Ryan and Harlan Price, and you know, like I I look back at it now, and it's like it was for a while. that was hard for me to watch because of, there was a few reasons why I, I had a hard time watching it after a couple of years. But I like look back at it now, man, and and there's a spirit there that like was so earnest. And, and I kind of, kind of love it, you know I mean? And it did really well. I mean, like, it's not like it wasn't hard to watch because it was poorly received. It it seemed to like really strike a chord with a lot of people that weren't, you know, that, that were looking for more stories and and more of a showcase of some of the things that, some of the opportunities to ride bikes in the woods that are out there that aren't in California or, or the Rockies or BC, you know? Um, and that also got the attention, and, and Lenosky helped me a lot to kind of facilitating, um, just a connection with Julian Coffee, um, in 2013, who at the time was the publisher for Pink Pike. And Julian seemed to, you know, like he kind of went back and did a little, um, looking around what, you know, my own website. And I seemed to appreciate sort of my storytelling style and, and, uh, wanted, agreed that there should be more content coming from the East Coast. So we, uh, we started a series in 2013 that kind of predates everything, you know, what we have now on Pinkbike. It was called Eastbound and Down. And, uh, and I don't, I guess Julian wasn't very familiar with like the Eastbound and Down series on HBO because I remember thinking like, uh, is that, are we ripping off <laughs> as an HBO comedy? But I mean, obviously we, we weren't. And yeah, so, so, uh, so that really like, I think started, opened a lot of doors for me. And, uh, and while I was doing that, you know, I was producing Eastbound and down and I was also doing other things for them and and for print for, for dirt rag and and some stuff for bike. And, um, uh, and, and I was still trying to race as well. and, And I was getting kind of frustrated at times that, you know, one or the other was suffering because I was putting so much energy and I wasn't doing it full time. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't a, full-time career for me at that point. And so, you know, like going back to like that, you know, being a kid and seeing like these professional athletes who weren't being, who weren't like professional competitors, they were professional because they got paid to do this and they did it at a high level, but they did, they, they pushed themselves to better facilitate, facilitate better storytelling. And I think I just, you know, maybe around 2014 2015 that that for me just became like clear where i think ultimately like i i'd always really wanted to go and, and um you know mountain biking also was just something i think that like athletically was i was a little bit better suited for compared to you know being on the snow very similar in some senses As a lot of people who do both sports know like reading terrain and all that um, and being comfortable at speed and in the air but like um yeah, I just, you know, that's, I kind of made it a, a conscious decision then to really like pursue being a professional rider, not to necessarily race. I mean, I still, I race, I, I just, you know, I love it. It's a great opportunity to push yourself in ways that you wouldn't otherwise. But, but yeah, to, to like push myself as an athlete, not so I can pound my chest, but so that I can um, ride more places and ride them better. And, and I think being able to do that uh, makes me a better storyteller uh, in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, fast forward now another eight years and it's been my full-time job for over half a decade. And yeah, it's, 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 it's evolved in, in so many directions and I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I work hard at it, but it's not, it's definitely not hard work. It's a dream for sure.
1: When you work full-time at this, what, what were you doing for work? What were you splitting your time with?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I had I, I was managing a restaurant, um, and uh, as I started to race more and more, and I and I started to race uh, in pro classes. I uh, I think around that time, and also like as I was doing more content on my website, I just decided. get that's a that's an important detail. Um, I did, I didn't just stumble into this, you know, I, I kind of like, you know, I I guess around 2011, 2012, I stepped away from management and and just was a bartender. And I was like, all right, well, this is an opportunity for me to work, have more time to to put into training and and into, um, into storytelling while still being able to, to, to earn an income because it's, I mean, I wasn't big, I don't know when I actually made my first dollar, maybe t- 2013 is when I actually got my first little check for mountain biking, uh, outside of a few race checks. Um, but I did just think like, okay, you know, like, let's just, let's just see like that, that decision to like step away from management was just like, okay, let's just, let's like test the waters a little bit and just it was like a feasibility check. And, uh, and that was, of course I never ended up stepping back into that role. And, uh, and so once, once I started to give a steady stream of, of somewhat small and modest pay, you know, like that for, for mountain biking, like the mountain biking pay would, would start to kind of go up a little bit. And that then helped me, enabled me to like drop, uh, shifts, you know, bartending shifts and, and serving shifts. Uh, but it was, it was probably four years of that, um, you know, quote-unquote transitional zone because four years is is a long transition but that's 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 just how it works I wasn't you know I was I have a really amazing wife who was super supportive of it and as long as I wasn't like completely ignoring responsibilities of being an adult you know which I wouldn't have done anyway uh there was she was really happy to see me like kind of pursue this dream and, and obviously like it has it's paid off but um but I think having having a supportive partner in life is is pretty integral for sure to that.
1: So let's get into some of the series you do. Um, you got a whole list of series <laughs> series is. Um, I'm yeah. not going to name I'm not going to name them all. But when you you know when you are maybe in the early creative stages of of doing a series, what are the, what are some of the stuff you look for, or what do you what do you kind of have for goals for the different uh, video parts you do to so maybe it's, you know, for underexposed, which, yeah. You know, is to expose communities that people might not know about. Yeah.
0: I think, um, yeah, there's a lot. And, and I think, uh, and you, you've probably noticed this yourself, um, just from hearing, like, you know, you to talk about as you, through, through our emails and previous discussions, like there's definitely a a recurring theme in a lot of what I do content wise. And that's like centered largely on community and trails and, and like nuances and differences sort of between these different places. But I I think there's a lot of different ways to sort of tell these stories. Um, and so like, for example, I I think maybe the most, the most visible thing I do consistently is, is local flavors. Um, and that was an evolution from, from Eastbound and Down, because Eastbound and Down initially was just anything East Coast. It could have been a, a profile piece on somebody. It could have been a World Cup question and answer with like the organizers or, or, or a destination piece, like, like Brevard calling I did in 20, early 2014, uh, with Matt DeLorme and, and, uh, Kingdom Trails thing. I did that later that year. Like, um, so the destination and, and community centric stuff became sort of my focus for Eastbound and down. And then that eventually turned into local flavors when, when we got to a point where we were like, okay, I haven't seen, I was not single-handedly responsible for, but I just, I think I was a part of maybe a growing contingent of people that felt like the East coast deserved to be, to, 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 be treated uh, or deserve the same treatment as what we had seen from so many other parts of the world. So we were able to then say, okay, we don't need to qualify the East coast anymore. Like it's, it's, it's people get it. So let's, let's open this style of storytelling up, uh, to to everywhere, you know, uh, and so it, it was really just like with local flavors, what it's become is a really comprehensive look at, um, riding destinations that it's a comprehensive look at places that have a comprehensive offering of, of opportunities for mountain bikers. Um, and the reality for our local flavors is, and I love it. I mean, I, I love making those, um, and i put a lot of work into them. And, 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 and for me, like the video stuff, I think is, you know, we kind of talk about being a content creator, but I, that is still a pretty generic term to me. I really like to be a storyteller and, and it doesn't have to be through video means or even photographic means. Obviously, like that's something I do as well. But um, but like the writing is sort of the anchor for every for me as a storyteller. Being able to write well um, kind of helps to inform everything else. Um, and so, local flavors are four thousand word pieces with fifty photos. Um, there has been a video element that's been a part of local flavors for a long time. We're actually getting rid of the video element because, which is cool, because it just I'm not a YouTuber and I don't, i never really will be. And I, and, and it's the one thing about the local flavor series that I haven't loved is like putting a GoPro on a selfie stick and man, manufacturing this like energy. And, um, and, and then it just, you know, it just was like everything else was had a certain tone and then, and then those are just like, um, a little off tone. Uh, but, um, but yeah, with Local Flavors, you know, that's a series where it's like, it's generally pretty established locations. Um, and, uh, and and you know, the biggest difference, I think, the, the one thing that we've kind of gotten away from in that series that I want to get back to and that we will be getting back to is just telling a little bit of that community backstory. Um, because it's almost become like a technical piece. I mean, I try to inject uh, personality and, and authenticity into it. Um, and we do have i mean we you know it is a sales mechanism for pink bike as well in terms of tourism dollars um but I still you know try not to have that element impact how, how you're gonna read it and how it's presented um but uh you know but that's been really cool and and through that series i've I've really like connected with so many different people around like north America and even into Europe and one of the things that just like you know you have this like behemoth uh that's that is pink bike and you have this massive series that is local flavors um and it's like man there's just like other there's more nuanced there's more nuance out there and and there's a lot of brilliance out there and they might not necessarily like there might be a community that that maybe you couldn't fill a local flavors with but that doesn't mean it's not worthwhile and and so it's just been about you, you know it's like all right well how do we do this what's also not like going and blowing up spots you know because you, you have to be sensitive to that I'm less concerned with uh, I love you <laughs> sorry um all right so yeah I I tend to be less concerned with like the the, the the ego part of that which is like when you go places you got your 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 guy that maybe and I don't I don't even use travel but I certainly know that like people kind of like to puff their chest and like, oh, you got a new, I don't want everybody coming come in here. Cause then I'll lose my, you know, I, I like being king of the hill. Uh, uh, and I, I I think that kind of is behind a lot of like the, the territorialism that we see is just like people. I don't know. I, I, I get those, I, I get those vibes when I go places still, it's like, you know, people like seeing it a, stick the chest out like all right, all right this guy's never in here before he better not go faster than me on his first run uh and that's whatever like that's cool that's that's human nature but um but there are there is it is worth being sensitive to and in and in, in so far as like like i i'm a proponent for i'm a huge proponent for um mountain biking as a real boost to your community as a, you know, as a social driver and an economic driver. But, um, you know, there's a lot of rat trails out there that are off the radar and they, they, for any number of reasons. And, um, you just have to be aware of that. And you don't want to like, just because you want, you, you, you need something cool and different in, in terms of like content, um, that shouldn't come at the expense of, like the sensitive, like some of those sensitivities for any given community. So, um, you know, so like I, with that in mind, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's the series that you were talking about underexposed, um, you know, try to, I I try to steer clear of, of those waters and, and make sure I'm, when I, when I am producing those, I'm, you know, I'm producing them, um, from places that are excited about having the opportunity First and foremost, to just share the little slice of heaven with what rest of the world, and you know, <clears throat> maybe it's not the, the series isn't quite as visible, certainly as visible as what local flavors is for, um, you know, one because it's just it's on pink, but it's on Pearl Zimmy's blog page, and the daily traffic there is not quite the same as what it is on Pinkbike, but but that's all good. I think um, I think it's less about quantity and more about quality for me. And that's kind of like how I always see almost everything I do, quite honest with you. You know, it's just, you know, tell, tell, tell cool stories and tell them, uh, in a way where, especially if it's community based story, like you're doing right by the community. Um, and, uh, and it's, you know, less about like, you know, checking the formulaic boxes that, that make that, that ensure that this is going to be seen by everybody in the world. But, and, in, and, in, because I think you can, when you start to focus on that, you do that at the expense of good storytelling. Um, and it's not that they have to be mutually exclusive. It's just, um, you know, like I said, I think focusing on quality and doing doing right by the community um, is is the first, is the most important thing to me. Um, and that's you know, even with it whether it's a big series like Local Flavors or a smaller series like Underexposed, it's definitely um, you know most important element um and uh and then you know obviously like, as an athlete i need to you know I, I always try to make sure like the the my riding style for any for most of this stuff is really like complementary to the trail versus like trying to just tap bark off of a tree with my rear wheel i mean i'll do that but i kind of do that to myself because then <laughs> you know it just it's people find i people complain about a lot of things and you know if you hit a corner hard enough and you get an explosion of dirt man that becomes a distraction as opposed to just like so it's just like all right let's just let's like let's do things that's fast on and if you're a fast rider you can watch these and know that that person's pushing it but you're not like it's all fairly organic and, and it meshes well with the terrain versus like just pure showing off which is sweet um you know like but there's a definitely time and a place for that. But but generally, um, I, I try to try to like push myself so that the trails look really good. Not necessarily like the rider, right? So yeah, that's uh those those are the two big things. And I mean, you know, like we have a, a, so many other things too, like sight unseen, which is a little bit more of a personal um personal pursuit, uh for, for Pivot. Pivot's a long, a long time partner of mine. Um, you know, this is my sixth year as a pivot athlete. Um, and so with sight unseen it, it's it's a little bit less of a community exploration of community and, and more just about celebrating that, that the idea of just going to a place you're not familiar with. I mean it's just I, to me the apex of the mountain bike experience is going somewhere you're not you, you don't know going and, and riding a trail for the first time or at least a trail you're, you're not familiar with and pushing yourself and, and certainly maybe you'd, you'd ride it faster if you were familiar with it or, or you'd know all the little Easter eggs, but like you find that flow state. And, and to me like that, when you find a flow state on a trail, you don't know, man, that is, that epitomizes like our connection with the planet. Um, and with, with terrain. Right. I mean, you know, mountain biking as a pursuit is, is such a silly thing. Like it's just so silly. If you, if you like really think about it, uh, the things that we think are cool are just so nerdy, like, <laughs> and, and so many other real world applications, but it's all good. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it is our pursuit and it's a, it's, it can be a really personal one. And so for me, um, you know, pushing myself down trails that I don't know, uh, and, and seeking that flow state and that connection is just like the apex. It just doesn't get any better. Um, and, and so we did sight unseen last year. We did one in Durango. Uh, we did one in uh left hand Canyon just outside of Boulder. Uh, and it was really, really well received and a really cool cinematic project. And it was really great to, to have a couple of filmers where I'm, you know, cause so much of what I do, I'm self-sufficient with as a, as a shooter, if it, whether it's stills or video. Um, so it was really great. Drew Bennett and Matt Jones were amazing. They're such good guys and they just got it. Like they understood what I was going for as a storyteller and, uh, and pivot loved it. Chris Kokalis, you know, like he and I, I, I was out filming. For the new Mach 6 bike release uh, last fall, and he's just like, you know, we were just in the middle of shooting. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, hey, Bryce, by the way, you did an amazing job with side Unseen. scene. Really loved it, man. Nice perk." I was like, "Oh, thanks, Chris. Uh, it was awesome. It was just like, it, it was cool. I think people got it, and, and I think a lot of people connected with that. So we're we're doing that again this year. Uh, in fact, I'm leaving leave for the first one on the Oregon coast in early March." And we'll do another one, I think, out in the Teton Valley later in the summer. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, and and that again, it's less that that's a that's a deviation from a lot of like that the community based sort of storytelling I do, those deep dives into different places and, and people that are behind them, uh, and it's a personal pursuit, which is there's you gotta you gotta have room for that. I certainly do. I mean, I I have a lot of stories I want to tell, and a lot of them are about people and places or or the people behind the places we love to ride. Um, But not all of them are, you know, some, some of them are pretty personal and, um, and, and sight unseen is a really good example of, I think where my own personal pursuits meet with my love of travel and my love of, of some of the different places we have to ride on this, this planet.
1: Yeah. So with that being said, I, I hate to ask favorites because there's a lot of stuff out there, but you've been able to travel a lot. Is there a, a region or a community that really kind of sticks out to you as one you definitely want to go back to or just, or maybe you didn't even know anything about and it caught you really off guard as being something that was kind of that gem that no one knows about? But is there is there a place, kind of a go-to place you'd really enjoy?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Honestly, I mean, there's there's a few places I think that I like. I, I, I know this would sound super. I don't want this to be a cop out, Josh. So I, hope, I apologize if it sounds like it. Like the, the truth is, on one hand, like one truth is that uh, I, I generally see like the best side of everywhere I go. Um, more often than not, they're aware that I'm coming, and it's not it's not specifically me. I don't think. I don't. I generally don't think a whole lot of people are like stoked that Bryce Sherbach is coming because, uh, uh, you know, I, ain't Brandon Semenuk and it's not like, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think those people, uh, you know, there are some people that do seem to appreciate some of the work I've done, but it's largely less been, it's been less about me pushing myself more about like the work. Um, and so like people get excited about like that brand of story, you know, and they don't even necessarily know the name of the person that's making these stories. Uh, it's just like, they know local flavors. Um or they know like these other story brands. And so uh, because of that, I think that I I tend to, uh, I tend to get a pretty unfair look at some of these places because it's just like the trails are usually in amazing shape. There's, you know, like if there's, I don't love an itinerary necessarily when I travel, but like occasionally there's just like, Hey, you know, we've got so-and-so a bunch of people ready. I mean, before COVID, you know, it was always like a group of very enthusiastic people that were just stoked to hang out. And, and people just love to tell their story, which is sweet, you know, um, which I understand. Like, I'm, And that's my job is to go places and ride trails and tell stories of the people behind the trails. So I, I've I I can't think of a place I've ever been where it's like, Ugh, I never want to like. I've, everywhere I go, I'm like, man, it would be I, I I leave and I'm like, all right, man, I'm looking forward to, to getting back here sometime and seeing. And I always mean it when I say it, you know. Like, there's always more places to see though, and there's only so much time in the day. And I have, you know, three kids. One of them you've seen now a couple times. Uh, he's burst into my office, so it's like the feasibility of me getting back everywhere is just. It's a, more challenging than I wish it were, Um, but that's really a long winded way of me saying like, I genuinely love everywhere I go. However, th- there are definitely some places that I, I have to, like, I just, I have to get back to. Um, I make it a point to like always spend time there every year, e- even if it's not for for work or for content. Um, you know, Vermont has kind of become a home away from home for me. And it's such a small state that I feel like, you know, Vermont is a riding region because <laughs> it's so small. Uh, but like from top to bottom there's just so much there i've become really close with a lot of people there um and and so i probably spend two to four weeks every summer and fall vermont many times it's for for a project but uh many times it's just because i've managed to convince uh somebody to let me stay for an extra week and a half so i could just shred um you know and and then going north of there quebec quebec um is shock. It's such an amazing place to ride. The people there are so nice I've become, and you know, I have a, uh, an old teammate of mine from pivot who's, who's up there. He's super talented filmmaker and, and storyteller. And, and, he's, he was the fastest guy on our team. Um, and Antoine Caron, and he lives just outside of Quebec city. And, and there's just such, it's just so, 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 so good up there. Like it's, the trails are amazing and I'm, I don't become like Vermont really close to a lot of those guys as well. Um, Quebec City is a, it's just a beautiful city. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, anytime you have like, I mean, the St. Lawrence River is basically a bay there. And so, you know, anytime you have like a large body of water like that in the, the mountains, so I'm a big fan of. Um, so I, I think those two places, of course, like communities like Knoxville are, will, it, you know, it's just uh, like I'm a big fan of places that, I don't want to say, I don't want this to come at the expense of like a Bentonville uh, because everybody wishes that they had those resources. But like when you don't have those resources and you put together a place like, like Knoxville, Tennessee, and it's purely on the backs of just like advocacy and volunteerism and just like plugging away for decades, you know, like versus having like these, you know, Some there are just places that have that are really fortunate to have some really cool resources that open up, and you're just like boom, make it happen. Um, And Knoxville has gotten there now. That's because of work that was decades in the making. Um, And there's just something about that element that is that just you can you can feel the difference when you're when you're in a place like that. And, and Knoxville's and, and Quebec city is another good example. Knoxville and Quebec city are two places where like the, the contention of women and like the cohesiveness of the, the women in that community. There's so there, there's probably a, it, it's 50, 50, or even 55, 45 women to men in terms of just like how organized they are. And it's just amazing. Like, and I, I think like that's, a, that's a, a model for, for a lot of other places to follow. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are places that, you know, personally, just as a, as a rider, the Pacific Northwest is just, it's got everything I want. It's got, you know, stunning coastline, steep, rudy, gnarly. Uh, it's, it's just every like mountain biking in the Pacific Northwest. I don't, I, I don't think there's a better place to ride your bike. <laughs> so yeah.
1: That's awesome. You, you've listed all the places that I've Wanted to go for a long time, even before creating this, uh, this podcast, like those are the places that I've really kind of longed to go for, for a handful of years now.
0: Oh yeah. You haven't been, you haven't been on any of those places.
1: No, I've, I've ridden West. Some, um, I've ridden in the Rockies ridden. I ride the Midwest a ton. I've been to Bentonville, like like two, three times a year. I go to Batonville, it's 10 hours away. Right. Copper Harbor is my favorite place. Period. Oh no, sweet. So but yeah, moving on. What about you know, so in in your underexposed, some of those communities are really small. Yes. What do you think through your eyes, what have you seen as far as what trails have done for those communities?
0: Yeah, I think um that's a really good question because I, I I like it's it's that that's a the trails bring so much To a place, and I don't even think that it's 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 hard to like educate sometimes locals like the like I don't know quote unquote non endemic local so exactly like what's going on in the woods that they might not know about, and like it's it's not just you know you're not just burning these in with your tires you know like it's the the effort to to get organized to find volunteers to apply for grants. There's so much stuff that's not sexy that's that's important to talk about anyway, um, with advocacy and stewardship. And and so there's there are a couple of different dynamics that are at play that I think work really well for communities. Um the most obvious thing, I think the thing that that like it's it's most tangible and it's easiest for us to get leverage as mountain bikers is the economic benefits. Um you know if you have a really if you have an ambitious collective and you have cool Ter- terrain, um, and you have a willingness from land managers to let let mountain bikers kind of do their thing, and you have that that reciprocity and that trust. You know you're going you're going to draw traffic, and and that's really important. Uh, I think it just imp- it has it has a really tangible impact on local businesses when you have people traveling. You know, even if they're just driving an hour, you know, or they're 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 coming from across state lines or whatever. Like you, you know, you there's there's money now being spent on something that has very little to no overhead, depending on you know, like if it's grant writing, if it's just volunteer work. Like there's just so you know, even, even if you were like to pay, you know, you raise money or whatever. You you, you like professional trailboaters, It's it's an ex, it seems pretty expensive. Um, on one hand, until you like compare the overhead of of that to like building a freaking tennis court and then it's not like like, these tennis courts cost how much what we're spending that much money on tennis courts like you spend a tenth of that on like 12 miles of amazing trail like by a really good talented trail builder and that's if you're you know like and you can do rad things with volunteers so so the overhead is virtually nothing compared to a lot of other things that are shockingly expensive. Um, but then the, you know, like the economic impact is, uh, so it's all, it's all good. Like it's no overhead and it's, and it's money being spent now at local businesses. So of course there's the economic impact and, and the more, you have to offer in terms of trails and like the, the bigger, the draw, the more money people are going to spend. So that's good. And that's, that's important And it, It's, it's good to establish that, but you can also kind of get it out of the way because it's measurable and it's tangible and it's easy. Um, I think the, the things that are less tangible and kind of harder to measure, but like still very real would be some of the, like the social impacts that that trails can have, you know, you're getting people together, uh, from whatever p- political persuasion they may be or whatever their socioeconomic status is you get people in the woods you get them dirty and you know everybody has a shovel Everybody has mud on their their pants and their shoes are caked and like it doesn't like none of those things matter when you're when you're in the woods and you're, you're building trail um and I think that like, even you could say it's something similar to, to effect to, to similar effect during rides, but like, I think building trail and volunteerism and stewardship brings people together, uh, in ways that, that uh, it's hard to do today. Um, and, and I think that there is a, I think there are benefits to that. I think when you have, when, when you have a number of people from different walks of life, all putting some investing, some sweat equity into the same thing. I, like that to me is really beautiful. Um, and, and so there's that element. And then there's also just like the trails themselves. And, and when you, the, the reward for all that work is riding the trails. And, and again, like um, you just, not, it's not just good to bring people in, but it's just good to have this as a, as a, as a, as a mental and a physical, uh, you know, like, benefit and and um uh pursuit for your community. You know, like you, you shouldn't build trails to be a billboard for tourism for your community. You should build trails first, in my opinion. And a lot of these places, I think a lot of places are doing this the right way. Like you build it for yourself and then as the infrastructure is, is there and the trails grow, of course, inevitably people are going to hear about it. And and you know like you you then open it up to others, but like make sure you're doing it for your community first. Um, and I think I've seen more often than not, that that's like the, the approach that a lot of places take. And like, for me, I, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's brilliant. Like I, I, I love seeing it. I, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I said this uh, to somebody last year when I was on a trip. I was like, I, I have not only like riding my bicycle is and getting paid is the best. Right. But like, being inspired because of like by your job every day is freaking awesome. Like I'm inspired constantly and it's not because it's obviously not because of anything I'm doing. I'm, it's because of like the people I get to talk to all the time, uh, in the places that I go and, and like the work, like the, the work that you see, like in these, in the forest, it's just like, man, this is, this is brilliant. And I'm, I, I'm, uh, I, there's, there's, you know, mountain bike, like trail building and volunteerism is just such a, a, source of inspiration for me. Um, and I, and I think that a lot of communities, uh, especially like those non-endemics, when you see their eyes open to the work, uh, that mountain bikers are doing and, and the stewards are doing, I think, uh, I always get super stoked when I see that, uh, you know, like you hear it's uh, everywhere you go. Like there's always something that's like, you know, i I don't ride, but man, I just think it's so great what they're doing in the woods. And it just like you hear that sentiment. It's like, okay, even if you're not on a bike and you're not enjoying like the fruits of those labors, this, to see that people still have an appreciation for it is is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, I got to throw a, a disclaimer in there for the audience. So prior to this conversation, Bryce and I have never talked. So I did not tee Bryce up Correct. to talk about tennis courts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I. <laughs> Or other, or other infrastructure similar to tennis courts, because I've had this conversation with I don't know how many people, which is, you know, you, we where I live in La Crosse, Wisconsin, we have gotten to the point of paying professional trail builders to come and build trail for us. And people look at it like, wow, that you spent $100,000 over there. And I look at them and I say, yeah, but how much was that pool that was just built? And how often is it being used? or what else can it be used for in the same thing with the tennis court, you know, like, is that in any kind of infrastructure? I don't want to make it sound like I'm insensitive to the fact that those pieces of infrastructure aren't important because they definitely serve a purpose for the community. But my point is, is that the return on investment, the, the overhead after the, after the fact like you've already brought up, it's, it's non-comparable with anything else. Right. You know,
0: yeah, RO, ROI is uh, you what you just touched on is so big because of course people play tennis and people swim, but like uh, you know if you go to Killington, Vermont, um, outside you just the bike park aside, like there's there's so many condos and there's just like you know there's golf courses and and obviously the golf courses are busy, but like when you look at like okay, I've seen you know two hundred cars filing down the road with like multiple bikes on each car. And, you know, even like, even if you compare the bike park, the bike park was, they had gravity logic. It was super expensive, you know, for bikes. Me, I don't, I, I, I don't, I'm just gonna throw a number out there. I think maybe they, let's say they invested $2 million over the course of three years for a gravity logic build out. You know, man, yeah, that's a lot of money. Like God, what I wouldn't do with that money. But then you're like, okay, wow, look at all these tennis courts, like at all the condominium uh, associations that are scattered. Like I'm sure they cost probably realistically five or six times the amount that amount. And I've seen over the course of a week here in Killington, four different people use those courts total. Like the ROI is incomparable. You're right, um, and it's not. It's not to like t- you don't want to like talk up or or like puff up or prop mountain biking up uh, at the expense of, of, of those other pursuits. But it's just to kind of get people to realign how they see money being spent in the woods. And, and that, the return on investment specifically is, is pretty staggering. You know, when, when you look at, you know, when you, when you compare dollar to
1: dollar. Yeah. I, I'm going to add, you can also play pickleball on the tennis courts. Yeah. You can do a lot of things. And I I bring <laughs> I bring that up because I think it was 2018. I was at a city council meeting to speak in behalf of um, funding for trails through our you know through our parks department and through the uh, capital improvement budget. And there was also a group there lobbying for pickleball courts. And it was like they so- they stole the script that we use as mountain bikers for how we promote pickleball because they went almost on av- every avenue we've already talked about with tourism and economic impact, like all that stuff. Only they just added pickleball to it. <laughs> and it was almost surreal to sit in this meeting. I couldn't even keep a straight face every time the name, every time yeah. pickleball came uh, out, they had poster board with like, it was like a bunch of cheerleaders there. It was, it was really crazy. I
0: don't even know what pickleball is. If I'm being honest with you.
1: I don't really, I've never honestly seen it. <laughs> I think it's like, Okay. A little bit smaller rackets, maybe a plastic ball, the court, you know, is smaller. I'm not well-versed in it either, but it's just, it was interesting to see that dynamic play out. Like I would have never thought in a million years, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, um, one of the other things you you talked about, and I'd like to know how much you've seen this. So obviously we've talked about the tourism, but really you hit it hard on the community. Yeah, and so one of the things that we yeah do where I live is we're you know we're building trail and we're building we're doing what we're doing and promoting this infrastructure really f- for the community because of the fact that you know we need to attract employees to our community and so how often have you seen that aspect in your travels to where communities are reaping the benefits of a better a better workforce or just getting people to move to the community that are you know really yeah. I, I don't want to discount it's, anybody but high quality citizens maybe is the way of saying it yeah I mean I think
0: um uh, that's that's, that's that, that that's an interesting discussion point because I think that kind of that does to an extent go hand in hand with like community building um and I, I, I you know like there's there's a whole bunch of different layers that to that discussion that I could spend way too much time on but uh Yes, it definitely is. It is something that places will leverage. Like you see it in Bentonville, right? Um, when when you're not just trying to to draw tourism dollars, and you want to encourage people to, to move here because you want a certain demographic, um, and and so yeah, mountain bikes and really good trail networks are absolutely a draw. And I think mountain bikers inherently like, I mean, I live in Wilmington, Delaware, and I'm probably the only professional mountain biker in the entire state. If I'm being like realistic, I don't, I think I might be. So this is not a place where people flock to And I'm okay. that I I have really rad trails that are right right down the street, like two miles from the garage. Right. Um, But yeah. Also I dream about living other places all the time (laughs) because like there, are like, that's just who, I, th- I think, I think that is an intrinsic part of the nature of like being a quote unquote, like outdoorsy person. Like if you're a big skier snowboarder, like that's a, if that's a big part of your life or bikes, mountain bikes or cycling in general or climbing, like you, you, you want to spend time in these places where that's abundant and the quality of that is really great. And eventually you get to a point where you're like, man, it would be just cool to like, have a little land here, buy a little whatever. So I think that's an, I think that's intrinsic. And, and I think that communities specifically to your point recognize that. And so when they promote like Harris, Harrisonburg, Virginia, that's another, that's a big sticking point there. Obviously Vermont, you know, like outdoor recreation is a gigantic part of that economy. And it's, it's, man, I I don't, I don't even know the number. I think the other thing though that we had to like fairly certain there's a large percentage of Vermonters who move there because of those outdoor recreational opportunities. And I don't want this, I know that this is um, virtue signaling to an extent, but it's just like when you, you're like, all right, we want to, we want mountain bikers to come here and and live. But then it's like, well, what, what are we thinking? Just like a bunch of white dudes and their families in their thirties, like. Or, or, and this, this is where I think just like figuring out what mountain bike, like what the mountain biking demographic is and doing a better job. Um, and I, and I think like, I don't, I, I, I think that communities, this like, like opening it up to rep, better representation, you, you know, like it's, there's, there's a whole bunch of elements, like I said, to this conversation, but like the, it's just about, I think making mountain biking a more inclusive thing, more, more inclusive community and more inclusive inclusive sport and that's part certainly part partly done through trying to reduce the cost barriers to it but also just like how we present it through media like through through content and through storytelling trying to tell more diverse stories so that um we kind of we you know like you want better trails and of course you want like it's it's inevitable if you have really awesome trails people are going to people want to move to where there's awesome trails but i think that. this like, like somebody like me, like I'm in my thirties, I'm a white dude, I ride bikes, like and and I have a family. Like and 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 I like I think we it, it's really important to uh you know as as we like tell stories and we think about communities and, and um the impact that mountain biking and trails can have on on our communities, I think telling diverse stories is one of the things that, that one of the steps that, that we should really be making. Uh, in order to like show how diverse our communities are, um, and uh, and show that it's it's that any any number of people, regardless of your the, the color of your skin or your socioeconomic background, um, like none of these things should factor into like the joy that that bikes can bring to you. Um, but but it's for a long time it's been presented, um, and. A much less diverse means, you know, in manner, and I think there's, uh, and I, probably culpable there as well. Like I, I think I, uh, you know, I certainly want to do a better job of helping to amplify some of those other stories and, um, and really like open our communities up to a to a more diverse group of human beings on bicycles. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, you know, what, what, like to your original question, like it definitely, I think. Trails and community and and a lot of those efforts go way beyond tourism um and they they are a part of community building but then i think now it's really like we need to rethink to an extent like what we mean when we say like communities and and building communities and and drawing in mountain bikers because i think i think i think there's a i think there's a lot of room for improvement when it comes to to really like showing some diversity in our sport and in our communities you know
1: yeah and one of the um one of the things that you know we're working on where i live and i see a lot of other communities working on more and actually imba is pushing it is the more trails close to home and bringing trails into communities so you may not so you don't need a, a vehicle to get to that good trailhead right you yeah. know making it so it's easily yep. accessible you know or bringing in even bicycle playgrounds as you know some people like to call them with with skills areas, uh, pump tracks, um, all that stuff, where you don't have to have the best bike, you don't have to have a vehicle to get there, right. you know, and just lowering that barrier of entry, but still doing it in a way that quality is being provided as well.
0: Yeah, that's a really that's funny. I've never heard it called bicycle playgrounds. So that's a really that's a really good point, and and I think you're right. Like I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it it's world like having world class trails. I mean, like. For me, I'm, I love the mountains. Like I just, I fell in love with the mountains as a little kid, and my little home right on that Town in Western Maryland, and and so that's like you know, going, even going back to side unseen, like that's the 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 apex of, of the pursuit for me. However, um, that that is such a, an unrealistic bar, and I'm in a really amazing position through um, some things I have control over, and some things I have no control over, um, and all of those things have kind of led to me being in this really like very amazing position to explore that but having a pump track or or having just like some ladder drops or something like that like like those are just such great ways to like to to open things up to communities um and and then like to just like light that spark right like that's what it's all about ultimately like however whatever it takes to like get people to sort of to 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 really like if you're an adult who's who maybe haven't been on a bike in years to so fall back in love with it and you know, or if you're a kid, just like getting on your fully rigid little 16 inch BMX and just like, just go and putzing around a, a little tiny bike skills park and some, you know, that's right next to like a, a swing set. Like that's a really great way to like demystify riding bicycles off road. And, and I think, um, and I think that also just really helps to get people to, to hopefully Fall in love with riding bicycle
1: again. Yeah, for sure. So you've already touched on uh, one project that you have going on for 2021. What else? Um, yeah. That what? And obviously within what you know about 2021 is turning out to be a bit of a question mark, <laughs> similar to what 2020 yeah. was. But you know, do you have anything you'd like to talk about that that may be coming down the line for you and and the people you work with?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, I think that no matter what happens with like, however long it takes me to get my vaccinations and uh, you know, like I feel much better about navigating these weird waters compared to what I did last year. Um, you know, cause last year, last year was pretty challenging, uh, obviously like for everybody, but you know, like for me in terms of content, uh, you know, being, I stayed home for several months and then everything kind of was condensed into a very short window. And so this year, you know I, I am able to like spread things out because I know I feel more confident about how I can go about doing that um, so I'm continuing Underexposed is is definitely continuing you know I'm uh, I'm a uh, my, my role for Pearl Zumi is, is is growing I, I am as of just a few months ago I've taken on a role as athlete coordinator so I, I'll continue to be an athlete for Pearl Zumi, but I'm also helping to facilitate um, Storytelling for other pros and me athletes as well. I kind of assembled a, a roster of regional pros throughout the country, and um, you know they're putting a lot of eggs in the mountain bike basket in the years to come as a brand. Um, and it's you know for me like that they're a brand that they align their values are so well aligned with my own, um, and their product is awesome, um, and I'm really excited about where they where they're going with product. But like more than that, I just think their their social mission, like you you know your interview with Josh Lawton was was so good. And he's such an inspirational human being in my mind. And, and, and um, you know, like, so, so as a brand, I think they get it um, that, that you can, you, you can have um, sensibilities and you can have goals that are driven by doing right by the world around you. And that doesn't have to come at the expense of being a uh, profitable and prosperous brand. I think those two things can live. Those can both be tr- Facts and, and truths, uh, and exist within the same company. So um, I'll be doing a couple less underexposed, but but ramping up the production value for them, as well as uh, producing a secondary video for each of those uh, underexposed episodes. Um, and there are two minute discussions with a low, with with a like anywhere I go, I'm basically you know reaching out and doing a having a two minute sit down with with a, a an advocate from that respective region, um, just, just to really humanize the advocacy efforts. Um, you know, because I think the payoff is of course what we want to see and we want to see rat trails and learn a little, learn a little bit more about them. Um, and especially in, in the, the, you know, the case of underexposed like places maybe you wouldn't expect to, some, some of them you, you may, um, but, but it's cool to just have that series and, and to be able to take the opportunity to also sit like, put a face and a voice to the advocacy efforts behind the trails. So, so that's underexposed. I'm, I'm doing local flavors as well. Um, keeping that going. Uh, I told you about sight unseen. Uh, and I, I mean, I have some other opportunities where I'll, I'll just be producing content for other people, for other athletes. Um, and then intersections has been a couple seasons running for Maxis. We're kind of wrapping that up, um, this year. And I'll have a new series uh, of similar ilk uh, that stands, uh, no tubes is another longtime partner of mine. Um, they will be, uh, branding, um, where it's similar, similarly like a long form exploration of, of, you know, like people and, uh, trails, um, and just sort of like the motivating factor behind, you know, like a a history, a little history lesson and, and, um, and, an exploration into like the, the mentality of, of, you know, trail builders and trail advocates, um, uh, and also just like, a, a you know, a really cool showcase of, of those trails. Um, so that's what intersections has been and that's what the new series for stands, uh, will continue to be. And then, yeah, outside of that, uh, just trying to race whenever I can, if there are races, um, we'll see. I'm not, you know, like it's not really been a big sticking point for me over the last few years, but I've, I've got like the bug, it, you know, I've got to scratch that edge every now and then. And then, yeah, the, uh, the, the new a- athlete coordinator role for Pro Zumi is, um, is, is going to take up a good bit of my time as well.
1: Well, in closing, do you have anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to get out? Um, maybe something that I missed and something you'd like to promote?
0: Nothing to promote. Uh, And and honestly, like, I, I, you know, for me, I I think that a lot of what I do, uh, there's this thing in mountain biking, I think, with YouTubers. And and I'm not, I don't think there's any at all. I definitely don't think there's anything inherently wrong with YouTube. I feel like there is this very, there's a there's been a, a pretty formulaic direction that you've seen a lot of content going, and I think people calling themselves content creators and asking everybody and the, their mother to subscribe, hit the subscribe button, uh, and flash the same big thumbnail graphics and kind of do the same. It's it's I just I think we need to rem- like remember what it's like to be inspired by. Storytelling, and not think of it in terms of like this this very technical or cold like content, but to tell stories and to tell things like meaningful stories, um, and ultimately, like it's it should be like I mean, I, I have sponsors, and they want me to represent their brands well, and I want to represent them well as well. But I I think that um, I try to like walk this line where I can do that organically without it being too self serving. And I think ultimately like it's about serving mountain biking. And it's not to give myself or anybody too much credit. It just should be like your goal. Like whether or not you are super effective, there's the all we have different levels and, and and through content and storytelling you can do that. But there's other ways to to have an impact on our sport that doesn't require you being on camera. But I, I, I would I I definitely I wanna see us like I mean I, I grew up reading bike and dirt rag and 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 watching productions and and just i I always i feel like i don't want i don't want to sound old and say like that's a bygone era but i just feel like there was there was an authenticity to that that it's still around i mean there's still amazing story there's so many good storytellers out there and and i uh but there's just it's like it's so hard to navigate some of those waters, even as a consumer, because there's just so much stuff that's just noise. And I really want people to, to like, like if you're, if you're being, if you're going to reflect on like yourself as a storyteller or as a quote unquote content creator, like you should ask, I just, I want more and more of us to ask ourselves, are we like doing this specifically to, to, to just sort of like promote ourselves and and to to leverage visibility, to to leverage quantity for like a, a higher standing in the industry, or like, are we? Do you, are you really trying to produce something that's of high quality and that services mountain biking and, and its growth um, and and telling meaningful stories? And being, you know, like less focused on the quantity and, and a bit more focused on the quality of it, you know. Um, and so, I I, 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 I'd like to to make that plea and and see a bit more of that in, in our sport because because right now there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's there's genuinely a lot of good stuff out there, a lot of really good storytellers, and there's YouTubers that do produce things of value and of merit but unfortunately especially on YouTube man you have to like wade through so much murky crap <laughs> to find it and and I'd like us to just like reassess as as a collective how we tell our stories a little bit
1: yeah i, I couldn't agree more i mean that's that's exactly why i'm why 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 we're sitting here today doing this you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. I love your podcast, by the way, not not to blow you up here, but like having meaningful long form discussions, man, that is so important. And and I think you're doing great work, man. I appreciate it. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you. Well, I think, uh, I think we are going to wrap this thing up and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and everything you do to, to sit down and have this discussion. So.
0: Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. My, my pleasure, Josh. Thank you very much.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much for listening to the interview with Bryce Sherbach and stay tuned as the list of incredible guests continues to grow. If you like what you heard on these shows, please take the time to share them with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the podcast series itself and the guests who have taken the time to be on the show. Also, please remember to leave a comment and rate the show wherever you consume your podcasts. This podcast has been made possible by mountain bike radio, Smith's bike shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an evolution trail services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on trail effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.